0: Welcome to the Women Governance Gurus podcast, where we listen to the journeys of women working in the field of corporate governance, their passions, struggles, and commitment to improving how companies and boards function. My name is Courtney Camlet, and my co-host is Liz Dunchy.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: Liz and I are both passionate about governance and want to spotlight some of the amazing women who share that passion. Hear what has surprised them over their career and various perspectives from different paths and industries. For this episode, we're talking with Tanuja Dene, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, board member of Granite Point Mortgage Trust Corporation and former board member of Advanced Disposal Services, Inc. and Silver Bay Realty Trust Corporation.
1: Hey Tanuja, welcome.
2: Good morning. Good morning. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Liz and Courtney, thank you so much for including me in the Women Governance Gurus podcast. What an honor.
1: Thank you for talking with us. We're excited to hear from you. Um, Could you tell us about your career path and becoming president and CEO of the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation and uh, public company director? Sure. So I always
2: knew that I wanted to be of service. um, And I was, you know, part of community and in service to community my whole life since I was a kid, and I thank my parents for that. Um, Things started to gel in college and later in law school when I volunteered as a prison tutor and then took on pro bono cases as a young lawyer and then forming not-for-profits and supporting not-for-profit governance. And all along the way, I had a parallel career um, being a securities lawyer, disclosure lawyer, corporate governance advisor. And these two parallel paths where i was you know volunteering on not-for-profits serving on a number of not-for-profit boards, really getting engaged in my community and also this career of advising um, corporations and then moving in-house um, and really focusing on corporate governance really came together and you know, I was having, um, you know, you know, these moments. Uh, well, so what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and, you know, I, I knew, and I've always known. I've I've wanted to lead. Um, I wanted to be a servant leader, mentoring and coaching and supporting others, um, making a different difference, and being a positive role model um, to my mentees, but also my children. And this role as president and CEO of the Dodge Foundation, really married my intentions and desires with the corporate, financial, legal, HR, the governance experience, and it comes all together. And so um, I'm so grateful because the stars aligned. You have really had a great career and a full 360 view of, of
0: everything from, you know, being on the other side of the table, practicing as a securities lawyer, to serving on a board and everything in between.
2: Yeah, it, it's um, it's interesting how things happen by happenstance, and then just also intentionally. Just sometimes, just really, you know, digging deep and saying, "What is it? What is it that I want?" And you know, serving as a public company director, you know, you know, I sat at board tables as an advisor, as a securities lawyer, and a corporate secretary um, to a large public company and advising directors and, you know, I can can do this. I want to do this. I I really feel that I can add value in the boardroom. And so I'm just, you know, very lucky in this career to serve on public company boards, a number of not-for-profit boards, and then also really, um, you know, being in service to my community as well. That's fabulous. So boards have a lot on their plates these days.
0: How do you stay on top of high-level emerging trends and risks as both a director and an
2: executive? So, um, it really comes down to time and prioritizing and making the time for lifelong learning. And I know it's it's hard because how, you know there's only 24 hours in a day. But what I have found that you know I you know I read, I write. I speak and I participate in education programs and really focus in on the things that, um, you know, that resonate with me, that make my heart sing. Um, You know, in in my day job, you know, I spend a lot of time in learning to apply practice on um, racial equity and anti-racism work. And in my corporate governance, and my board work, um, I'm really honing in on um, integrating environmental social governance into boardroom practices. But what I've really found is um, that speaking and writing in this stage of my life and my career really keeps me on my toes. And it allows me to meet other professionals, other advisors and directors, which really has this kind of great effect on, you know, diversifying my experience and kind of hearing what others are going through and understanding trends in real life. And so I just, I really, really enjoy, um, you know, speaking and uh, engaging with other professionals in the field. You know, education, board education has to be a priority in the boardroom Um, Our directors really could fall behind on trends and emerging issues. And it's, you know, it's so important to be engaging with others outside of your own boardroom as well um, so that you can really start to connect the dots and see the long-term trends. Because really, at the end of the day, we have a, a duty um, our, as, a, as a director to really ensure that we're prioritizing long-term value creation. And if we're relying on our, our experiences, our past experiences, and the past way of doing things, you know, we're just going to fall behind. So I really lifelong learning and education just really has to has to be a priority where we we make the time for it.
0: Yeah, keep educating yourself has been um uh, something that I've been really focused on for the last several months is, you know, we've been home and not traveling as much. So
1: Yeah. And Tanuja, clearly you're passionate about that and bring a lot of energy. And so I can only imagine the contributions that you make as a board member too, because I think um, that's one trait that's really important for board members to have is to have that passion and energy. And um, you know, there's this whole debate on board refreshment and how long is too long. But I think as long as you're still bringing that to the table, um, you're doing a service for the company and you clearly have that. And your career path is really inspiring.
2: Thank you. I'm, uh, you know, and I love these issues. You know, I'm, you know, we're talking about passion. Um, you know, it's it's just yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about about governance and and how you know how we can really um, leverage governance um, to really you know uh, hone in on performance mm-hmm. and. Um, and really hone in on ensuring that our stakeholders are prioritized um, as well as our shareholders.
1: Exactly. Uh, well, Courtney and I, I think, share that passion too. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> absolutely. You, you mentioned the environmental and social factors that you are often needing to consider as a director. And there's definitely been a push for boards to integrate those things into strategic oversight. So, as a director, um what type of information are you looking for from your governance advisors and management members so that you can make informed decisions
2: So um you know it, it can be really overwhelming kind of these concepts of ESG you know we're we're in boardrooms we are bombarded with so many issues and so many issues that are kind of really focused on the short term so I really like to you know kind of hone in and be asking my management teams and advisors you know, what's, what's material? What is material both quantitatively and qualitatively? And what's relevant to our organization, our company, and our long-term value creation? And really honing in on, you know, um, risk, but also the opportunities and uh, our ability to innovate and p- um, pivot. And it to me really comes down to, you know, really ensuring that, you know, we're focusing on long-term value creation and those elements of you know, performance and strategy, risk management, purpose. And in all of the, any sort of analysis, um, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in understanding, um, you know, what are the changes and developments that are coming around the corner that, you know, um, really might under, undermine the validity of validity of, of prior assumptions, prior key assumptions, in which you know the organization's model and strategy really relied upon. So it's really kind of honing in on kind of poking holes on those assumptions that you know those assumptions that were key performance indicators for long-term strategy and maybe a prior in a prior iteration of what that organization might have looked like. Um, and I guess really, it's along the way. We're saying that you know I'm really pushing on the fact that if we keep relying on our past practices, it will it just can't be a winning strategy for the future. And I think you know this environment we're in right now, the pandemic, it's really upended everything. And so we really need to look at um, like look at everything anew. Um, I think it's really important that we um, also bake the time on board agendas to have robust conversations about ESG and, you know, our strategy, our operations, our long-term performance, and really ensuring that we're integrating ESG into um, core functions of the organization, the core functions that have a seat at the table, such as finance. Um, so much about ESG really kind of focuses on disclosure and the disclosure regimes, and it's important that the disclosure is in- integrated, um, that it is prioritized, that, um yeah, that, you know, whoever is focusing on the sustainability reporting um, and the human capital uh, management reporting and all of those different aspects of reporting, uh, they're, they're all talking to each other. Um, and um, so that you're not having kind of the finance organization doing SEC reporting on one hand, and then you've got CSI reporting in another hand. And then with respect to the board, I think it's really critical that, you know, this is a board level conversation and prioritization. And that ESG is integrated into the work of the board, the existing governance infrastructure. We have charters of our audit, non-gov, and our comp committees. We have our own board, long-term strategic planning. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. What we do need to do is ask um, deeper um, questions And um, really poke and prod and unpack trends and patterns that we may not have been uh, unpacking before in a deeper level, Um, particularly as as I think about um, the S and ESG and the workforce and uh, talent and even even hotline calls that you know audit committees get a regular report on. What are the trends and patterns that we're seeing there that we really need to address in terms of the overall culture of the organization? And in terms of advisors, uh, you know, I think you know advisors play such a critical role in the boardroom, and you know, I think it's really important that we advisor have advisors that are conversant on long term trends, focusing on the long term, um, focusing on opportunities as well as risks, but the opportunities that these challenges bring to the table and uh that that we don't have advisors that are telling us what we can't do, um, what's the bare minimum. We need advisors who believe and are committed to these to these factors. Um, And that's a mindset shift in the advisor landscape too. Um, Everyone from our our lawyers, to our auditors, to our comp advisors, all of these trends are kind of coming together. I mean, even the comp advisors, just unpacking that for a moment. You know, we need to do a better job on integrating ESG into short-term and long-term compensation for our um, C-suite and through an organization and incentives that have teeth that are meaningful Mm -hmm. so that we can see meaningful change and um we we need to be creative and we need to be brave um and because uh and and i say that because we're so tied sometimes to this is how compensation particularly long-term compensation this is how it has to look like this is this is the incentives that we're um in behaviors we're trying to incentivize and I just think we need to kind of start sometimes with a fresh piece of paper on what are we trying to achieve.
1: Yeah, that's good Absolutely. advice. Mm-hmm.
0: So going back to the S and the ESG, what are you hearing as to how current societal discussions about diversity, equity, and inclusion are affecting the agendas of boards and
2: committees? So I, I think um, we, we can't – we can't ignore DEI anymore and it can't be a nascent nice to have conversation. It's there in front of us. So I I think there's a lot of talk and interest in diversifying our boards, a lot of talk around interest in um, hiring consultants um, and, um, you know, folks who can um, really help get boards educated and C-suites educated. And I think that's all good trend. Um, I, I just, You know, I'm a little concerned that there's a lot of talk, um, but, you know, not really enough action. Um, I think it's really important that, you know, know, boards continue this conversation around the S, continue the conversation, and start to change boards' practices around recruiting and retaining um, uh, new directors, uh, diverse directors. Uh, and and beyond the Fortune 500 or S and P 500, this is just across the boardroom landscape. Um, I guess it, you know we just need to stop playing lip service and do something. And you know, I do get a little concerned about tokenism and you know recruiting for diversity and onboarding for assimilation. We just have a lot of work ahead of us. I'm 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 glad that there's a lot of conversations happening. Um, I've been um the honor and privilege to be part of many many conversations um this summer and through the fall really honing in on these issues but I, i would just like to see some some action around some real real meaningful action around this um and some of the action really hones in on the boards really taking a good long look in the mirror at themselves and saying do we really have the right people in the boardroom that's going to ensure that we thrive this organization thrives and our people thrive over the long term and so that really does mean um putting some teeth in you know some board limiting mechanisms that are there but as we know have varying degrees of efficacy and this is around board performance board evaluations board succession planning Um, And really focusing on board cultures so that we're creating an environment where a crisis doesn't force us to think about these issues, that we're thinking about these issues all the time, that we are diversifying and, and, um, you know, ensuring that we have a, you know, different perspectives and different viewpoints in the boardroom um, is a given and not, not something, oh, there's a crisis at hand, so we need to make sure we have this person in place. Um, But then once that person's in place, their voice is not permitted to be really lifted up. So a lot of talk, we need more action. (laughs) Completely agree.
1: There's definitely a lot to think about there and a lot of room for improvement, I'm sure, with the board evaluations and board composition analysis and really thinking about what matters and what traits are needed amongst the directors in order to carry the company into the future, like you were saying, to be focused on what's coming up and not just always looking backwards. Definitely. Um, Okay, we only have a couple of minutes left, and so I just want to get your quick thoughts on this question that we ask all of our interviewees in this podcast. And that is, what do you think women in the corporate governance field can add to the current conversation on the societal role of companies?
2: What I would say to that is that our voices, our perspectives, our lived experiences matter. And, you know, we represent half the population. This this pandemic, as I mentioned before, has upended our way of being and living. And it's blurred the lines of work in home. There was such a separation in so many respects, you know, let's just never talk about what happens at home and um, the, the pressures and all of that. It's kind of almost, you know, invisible. I know in my um, career until recently, it was just, you know, I never talked about my family or pressures. And now these lines are blurred and we should talk about this. We should talk about how work and home and um, these the, the blurring of these lines, it's impacting the reality of our work. I think it's really important that it's impacting the reality of governance. For example, you know, for the last eight months, for the most part, directors have been working either on conference calls or virtually, and that has, up, that has really changed the way we operate and we need to, unpack that and really ask, are we being effective in this new environment? When boardrooms have been um, typically face-to-face meetings, uh, quarterly um, over one or two days, um, board culture is built around meals and, you know, time together and building relationships, we need to really think about how do we build relationships and trust and culture in the boardroom differently? And so I think Our perspectives and our voices really do matter. We all come from different places. And so, you know, I I say lift our voices, question the norms and behaviors, and um, our voices matter. And we've got to listen. We've got to share. And most importantly, we need to be heard.
1: I love that. Thank you. That's such good advice. It was such a pleasure talking with you, Tanuja. Thanks for your time. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me.
1: Good, good. Well, we loved it for sure. Uh, And thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of Women Governance Gurus. Please subscribe on whatever platform you use for podcasts and we would love if you would rate us while you're there.